Hello and welcome to Ad Creeps, a podcast where we dissect and correct the TV ads that raised us, phased us, and amazed us. I'm Al, and while I've been doing this introduction, my co-host Courtney has been doing a little dance. I she is for my back. Oh, is it? Yeah, I'm doing a little wiggle. I'm just getting my back all loosey goosey. I could only see you out of the corner of my eye while uh, I spoke to the microphone. Yeah, I did look like I was getting all sassy. You do like a little like do do no, do I'm, do. I'm, my upper spine is real bad. Oh, my lower spine is real bad. <laughs> Partner. Uh, together we make one functioning spine. Or one really bad spine. Yeah. Yeah. What a curse. What yep, a crime. Absolutely. Mmm. Do you have a curse and or a crime for me? <laughs> <laughs> yep. You do, I do? Okay. Yeah, okay. Both. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. We're getting into it already. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> like a seven mile stare like (laughs) (laughs) like they've been through vietnam did you no i asked you to gird yourself you did ask me to gird myself but not my loins are you girded oh i'm wearing my (laughs) second tightest binder okay so that's probably why my spine is messed up (laughs) (laughs) about as girded as you get i am the my my tots are pressed (laughs) oh pressed tots into my chest oh fancy (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but that's how girded I'm going to get. Okay, good. I'm yeah. glad. I'm glad you're girded. Yeah. Um, yeah I hope our listeners are equally girded. Yeah, you got your gird on? Get your gird on. <laughs> get your gird on, baby. I think we should bring back girdles. Uh, yeah, I agree. <laughs> Just for the general public. Girls for every part of your body. Sometimes I want to be high and tight. <laughs> <laughs> There's no part of you that can't be girdled. Yep. <laughs> if you really try. <laughs> I got to girdle my ankles sometimes. They're too uh, poofy. Yeah, I hear that. <laughs> the old poofy ankle. <laughs> Huh, okay, well, let's go. Let's go. In 2021. Oh, okay. On the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Well, okay. <laughs> that was not not very far away. It was a year ago. Yep. NPR host Scott Simon went live on air for an encore performance. The journalist and Weekend Edition Saturday host had been broadcasting live 20 years earlier as the disaster had just finished unfolding. Oh, okay. And he read aloud a poem by W.H. Auden. Okay, I remember this. In his remembering of the original event, he once again played the hits. He said, In the hours after the attacks of September 11, 2001, as the smoke of destruction still lingered in the very air we breathed, I was reminded of W.H. Auden's poem, September 1st, 1939, and read from it on the air. Auden's poem still resonates. And he then read it again last year. The poem, originally written as a reaction to Germany's invasion of Poland by Mm. Winston Hugh Auden, Mm. a British-American poet who at that time had just moved to the United States, is well known for its evocative verse that wraps the terror of war and armed conflict into a social mandate. After 9-11, it flourished, reprinted in major newspapers across the country, and shared on the World Wide Web. Hmm. I will read for you. The poem. The last two stanzas. The poem. Of the poem, which are sort of the most discussed in this context. Okay. All I have is a voice to undo the folded lie, the romantic lie in the brain of the sensual man on the street, and the lie of authority whose buildings grope the sky. There is no such thing as the state, and no one exists alone. Hunger allows no choice to the citizens or the police. We must love one another or die. Mm. Defenseless under the night, our world in stupor lies, yet dotted everywhere ironic points of light. Flash out wherever the just exchange their messages. May I compose like them of eros and of dust, beleaguered by the same negation and despair, show an affirming flame. Hmm. I see how the imagery people probably really connected to. Yeah. In in uh, 2001. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, but Scott Simon and the history of American nationalism mm. hold this poem in much higher regard than the man who penned it. Uh-oh. Of the work, W.H. Auden said that it was trash, which he was ashamed to have written. <laughs> you love to hear it. <laughs> I love when authors trash their own shit it's, when people start getting in too into it. It's great, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He had tried to fix the problems he had with his own words. Shortly after publication... And this is, oh, this is around 1939. Yeah. He reconsidered arguably its most famous line, we must love one another or die. Yeah. Rereading the line, he said to himself, that's a damned lie. We must die anyways. Yeah, we're all going to, it's going to happen. <laughs> it's just going to happen. We don't have to love each other. <laughs> we certainly don't. The other thing is going to happen anyways. <laughs> so in the next edition, he changed it to, we must love another and die. Hells yeah. Then he cut the entire stanza. Hells yeah. Of his next move, he said, the whole poem, I realized, was infected with an incurable dishonesty yep. and must be scrapped. Huh. The poem was stripped from subsequent editions of Auden's collected works. This is so interesting because he obviously felt an emotion at that time. Yeah. And then he got it out on paper and then he did... There's a dog. (laughs) Sometimes there's a dog, folks. Sometimes there's a dog. Uh, And he felt an emotion and like a lot of us do, we have like a knee-jerk reaction or emotion and then in retrospect we think, well, maybe maybe there's a lot more going on than that. Sometimes you delete a tweet, you know what I'm saying? This is why... For me, it's a lot of the time. This is why we got to edit. We got to have that edit button. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, he, he wrote this poem sitting in a diner in New York okay. uh, when, you know, everyone was sort of getting the news that Germany had invaded Poland. Mm-hmm. A lot of critics, including those considering the work during the aftermath of 9-11, found Auden's scrutiny to be merely self-critical uncertainty or perfectionism. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> Sounds like he's like editing his whole emotions and like feelings and the vibe and just the, the whole sort of vibe shift. I think mm. is what it is. Yeah. But Auden's recollections of his own motivations show a much greater concern for the way that rhetoric can be used for political and social gain. Yep. He was greatly aware that his ability to quote sing from the resonant heart could be easily repurposed, or as he put it, soiled, profaned, debased, ah, or transformed okay. into spells that befuddle the crowd. Yeah, if fascists like your poetry... Not good. Maybe he's like, ooh, maybe not good. Hey, because this is... <laughs> this is actually not good. This is not... This is what the anti of what I wanted. This is, this is sort of the time when we were all universally most against fascism. Yeah, well, well... A surprising amount... Of people were not. That's so true. In fact, <laughs> they were more worried about communists. Yeah, they really were. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Especially most of our world leaders that was fighting fascism were like, mm, maybe communism? Maybe communism actually Maybe we that? should make friends with maybe Germany? Maybe actually it's not so... Mm. Mm. You know, they had a lot to sort of go And we on. have so many statues of them. Ugh, yeah, we <laughs> By really the way. Do. By the way. <laughs> Auden himself experienced the phenomenon of political rhetoric in 1939 when he spoke at a New York dinner to raise money for refugees from the Spanish Civil War. Oh. He wrote to a friend about... Wait. Okay. I was going to say, what kind of... Come on. Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) He wrote to a friend about the experience saying, I suddenly found I could really do it. Huh? That I could make a fighting demagogic speech and have the audience roaring. I felt just covered with dirt afterwards. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Political, like, just fucking rah-rah something. Yeah. It's not good. It's bad. Bad. Auden published around 400 poems, as well as plays and opera libretti. Oh, okay, Frasier. <laughs> What's an auto, uh, opera, opera libretti? What is I that? I don't know. It's some sort of opera. What do you want? Libretti. I'm not Frasier. 
<laughs> I'm raw. I'm raw. <laughs> you are in your raw slut face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I appreciate that. And you're Eddie. Well. <laughs> woof woof. <laughs> Look, I have an old cop living with me, and I... It's <laughs> true. Rawr, rawr. Uh, and he often collaborated with his life partner, Chester Coleman. Mm. Auden was married in 1935 to queer actress and writer Erica Mann, daughter of Thomas Mann, to provide her with a British passport when Hitler's regime revoked her German citizenship. Okay, a beard. A beard, yeah. A good, a be- were, some, hey, a good ally. A beard goes both ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Upstairs and downstairs. <laughs> there are beards for everywhere. <laughs> I think they're called Merkins. Mm, yeah, mm. I think you're right. Mm. And, well, you know, he did move there, so he did become a Merkin. He did become a Merkin. From a beard to a Merkin. Wow. <laughs> Beautiful. Of course, 9-11 was not the only time that Auden's work resonated deeply in the American zeitgeist. Mm, the zeitgeist. The zeitgeist. <laughs> We hate to see it, folks. Folks, we hate to hear about it. We're all sick of it. Wow, sicko mode. <laughs> okay, so you're saying that this poem kind of are we are we gonna go like Gulf War? Or are we early? Oh, no, you got a little smile. I got on your a, face. I got a couple moments in history we're gonna touch on. Okay, is it our favorite moments that we constantly talk about? Well, favorite is a heavy yeah, word. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that I wouldn't like to apply to that. What would what would we call it? The well-referenced... Well-referenced moments in history. (laughs) From us. Yeah. The first... Yeah. In 1994... Okay. His poem, Funeral Blues, was included in the film Four Weddings and a Funeral. Oh, okay. Sorry. I... (laughs) Hmm? When you said four weddings and a funeral, my brain said my best friend's wedding. Different one. And I absolutely... My uh, best friend's wedding and four unrelated funerals. (laughs) Uh, I don't know what wedding, what four weddings and a funeral is. Well, it's like a like a, a drama. You is know. it sad? Yeah, it's a. I, well, there's a lot of funerals, so I guess it must be. It sounds like yeah, yeah. <laughs> sort of a picture of the times, if you will. I see. I see. Um, the poem was read during the funeral of a gay character played by Simon Callow. Oh, so it's really sad. Yeah. Yeah. According to fellow poet James Fenton, it seems that a large number of people since the AIDS epidemic have become familiar with the experience mm. of funerals at which a devastated boyfriend has to pay tribute to his prematurely dead lover. Mm. So Auden's poem found an audience that needed it nearly 60 years after his composition. And this is the same This is the same. It's a poem. different poem. Oh, different This poem. is called okay. Funeral Blues. I don't think we need to read that one. You don't want to hear it? No, I don't. I, I, uh, I think it might get me. Yeah, but there will be a link in my sources okay. if you want to read it. It is deeply sad. Yeah. Thank you. I'm not that girded. No, yeah, you weren't girded enough. The tear ducts. I'm thinking about it. The tear ducts, they're not. You were not properly girded for my sad homosexual (laughs) poems. And you know what? You should have been more prepared. I didn't know. (laughs) I thought we were just going to talk about war crimes, Al. Oh, well, don't worry. Oh yeah, no, I'm a I'm a fucking sissy. Yeah, I I the the tears they can't be controlled. It's okay. We're gonna go somewhere else. Okay, good. But, but another moment before this may have been Auden's greatest impact on the direction of the American project. Okay. However, unintentional or unwanted it may have been. Almost forty years before Auden's poem September first, nineteen thirty nine, was used to make a statement about American nationalism in the face of their so called enemies, a line from the poem was paraphrased in an advertisement. <laughs> Al, I forgot what we were doing. <laughs> I forgot that this was an advertising show. You forgot this wasn't the Sad Gay Poetry Podcast? I, <laughs> I like, blacked out there for a second. Now that's a transformative wow. advertisement. Wow. Okay. Oh, no. Who? Okay. I'm trying to think. Is it a political one? Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Is it a Ronald Reagan one? Mm-mm. Okay. 40 years. I can't do calculations. That's fair. Why don't you just tell me? <laughs> a line from the poem uh, was paraphrased in an advertisement that aired only once oh. during a September Wait. 7th, 1964 telecast <gasps> of the film David and Bathsheba on NBC Monday Movie. Okay. Is this Barry Goldwater? Jesus Christ. Are we are we are we doing it? We're doing something. Oh yeah, we're doing a, bit, a little bit, but we're gonna do. <laughs> Calm down. Okay. <laughs> Wait, okay. Yes. Oh my god. Oh my gosh. The commercial starred two-year-old Monique Louise, yeah. who flubbed her lines, but they were considered an improvement towards the intended result, and so they kept the incorrect version. Wow. The young actress was paid $105 for the role, more than her father made per hour loading trucks on the night shift. Do you have, like, what the original was going to be and what she says? It'll be obvious. Oh, it will be. Okay, okay. Because she has a widow wisp. <laughs> <laughs> Monique wouldn't see the commercial until the 2000s when she searched for it online. I had tears in my eyes, she recalls. I was shaking. For most of her life, she had no idea that she had starred in the first ever political attack ad. I am so fucking... I think this is the one that... Probably. Yeah. Okay. I'm so fucking glad we're doing this one. (laughs) This was on my hit list, but I never wanted to touch it. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, because it's a lot. I didn't have the cojones. Oh, yeah. You weren't girded. I weren't girded. You weren't girded. I weren't girded. (laughs) Oh, wow. I'm really excited. Uh, midway through June 1964, yeah. the president of progressive advocacy group Americans for Democratic Action, mm. John P. Roche, mm. wrote a letter to Lyndon Baines Johnson's press secretary, <laughs> suggesting that LBJ was in a wonderful strategic position and that he had the opportunity to run a savage assault against his presidential race opponent, Barry Goldwater. Roche's suggestion was a billboard reading, Goldwater in 64, hot water in 65, with Ooh. a mushroom cloud in the background. Ooh, la la. Wordplay. <laughs> Touche. (laughs) The commercial itself was designed and created by New York ad man Tony Schwartz, Mm. a graphic designer and creator of many political ads throughout the years. He was also credited as the first person to use real children's voices in television commercials as early as the late 1950s. Okay. And he created some of TV's earliest anti-smoking ads. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So he's good at the scare tactics. He's good at it, yeah. yeah. According to Schwartz, the aim of advertising should not be to introduce viewers to new ideas, but rather to bring out ones that were already lurking subconsciously in their mind. Mm. In his book, The Responsive Chord, he wrote, The best political commercials are Rorschach patterns. They do not tell the viewer anything. They surface his feelings and provide a context Mm. for him to express these feelings. Dangerous rhetoric. Yeah. We're going to make you feel fear. I don't like it. And anger. And I think it's bad. (laughs) In this specific instance, he felt that the use of Auden's words, voiced by Lyndon B. Johnson, spoke of peace. Hmm. When the images from this iconic ad were repurposed for a 2000 Republican attack ad against Al Gore and Bill Clinton, he wrote an opinion letter in the New York Times decrying the way that the GOP had twisted his imagery for their own message, saying of his version, We did not mention the opponent, Barry Goldwater, or the Republican Party. However, in the Republicans' attack ad, Al Gore and Bill Clinton are vilified with frightening and factually inaccurate language and with images of nuclear warheads pointed at our homes and children. I am very disturbed at both the perversion of my own ad for such scurrilous purpose and even more so by the perversion of truth. Yeah, if you do it to us, that's bad. But if we do it to you, it's fine. It's fine. 
Uh, so they repurposed the ad for... Well, they sort of used the main um, imagery from it. I want to see that one, too. Yeah, I didn't look at it, yeah. but it's wild. Oh. <laughs> uh. Having come out victorious in the Republican primaries against heavy hitters like Nelson Rockefeller, Henry Cabot Lodge Jr., not Veronica's father, and William W. Scranton. Did you... Is that a Riverdale well, reference? it was an Archie Comics oh reference, God. please. Okay, fine. <laughs> You can't you can't take that section of your brain. I'm not out. some philistine. Boy oh boy. <laughs> I just, I'm just thinking if Rockefeller took it, what would we be where would we be? Oh god, we'd be gone. We wouldn't exist anymore. <laughs> boy oh boy. Well, Goldwater uh, represented a significant shift to the right for the Republican Party, and Johnson's campaign strategy largely consisted of making him out to be a dangerous extremist for his suggestion that he would use nuclear weapons in Vietnam if necessary prompting potential retaliation for Vietnam's communist allies. This is so bizarre yeah. of of like what where the right and the left quote unquote were. Yeah. <laughs> truly, truly. It's like almost you you have to remind yourself that LBJ was dem- a democratic Democrat. Well, he was a southern democrat, so yeah. then southern democrat. Southern democrat. <laughs> He had a big hat, but people barfed in it. Yeah, they sure did, folks. <laughs> <laughs> and I would too. Mhm. LBJ and his team used this in their September attack ad, airing just a month after the Gulf of Tonkin incident. And its resolution, which gave President Johnson broader powers to retaliate to attacks on American forces in Vietnam. Oopsie-daisy. Despite airing only once, Schwartz's infamous ad was dissected nationally in the nightly news and other media formats, including criticism leveled at the Johnson campaign for using the potential of a nuclear war to frighten voters. Oh, someone's saying, hey, it's bad? (laughs) Yeah. Hey, maybe that's bad. Some people on the news said, this could be bad, maybe. This could be absolutely bad. Wow. Wow. Uh, You know, but it it must have worked because (gasps) on November 3rd, 1964, Johnson won the presidency with 61% of the popular vote, still the largest margin in America's electoral history. Jeez Louise. This is, and what, sorry, what year? 1964. 64. But, okay, so the ad aired only once. Yeah. Do they have statistics on how many people saw it? Well, the, the thing is, like, the ad only aired once, and they ad, they aired it in a time slot that they knew during the NBC Nightly Movies, which was uh, a biblical movie, and they knew that kids would be asleep, but their parents would still be awake. Uh. Um, so, however many people viewed the original ad, it was re-aired by news like newscasters <gasps> for weeks and weeks afterwards so everybody saw everyone would have seen it yeah even if they pulled the ad because people complained interesting this is like (laughs) this is some stuff this is some this is some intrigue (laughs) boy oh boy advertising is bad it's it might be bad actually (laughs) what are we doing Uh uh-oh uh-oh Two months after Johnson's victory, he escalated America's role in the conflict, creating an intractable situation that would carry on for another decade, killing millions across Vietnam, Cambodia, and Laos. The primary function of poetry, as of all the arts, W.H. Auden wrote, is to make us more aware of ourselves and the world around us. I do not know if such increased awareness makes us more moral or more efficient. I hope not. I think it makes us more human, and I'm quite certain it makes us more difficult to deceive. While some practice at the altar of the responsive chord and some sing to the resonant heart, it is easy to see that the words we use in political contexts, even when misgiven, renounced, or retracted, have an endless number of meanings beyond their intended message and their time. Whoa. Buddy. I gotta, we gotta, I can't wait to see this. (laughs) Because here's the thing, I I remember, I studied American history, and I remember watching this, but, you know, 2000 
yeah. in 2010. I don't have a really good memory of it. I'm wondering how much I remember in terms of imagery and how much I made up in my brain. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. The only part of American history I studied was the Vietnam War. <laughs> so, and you know what? It shows. <laughs> Okay, if you want to see this ad, and I really, really think you should, because it is a very interesting part of American history, uh, go to our sources. Yes, this YouTube link is provided by the Library of Congress. Yes! Uh. <laughs> we'll return after these messages. Or we must die. Vote for President Johnson on November 3rd. The stakes are too high for you to stay home. Welcome back to the show. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I didn't remember there were flowers involved. Yeah. And it reminded me of the scene from Young Frankenstein. <laughs> oh, no. And also the Frankenstein with yeah. the little girl and the flowers. And she's, is the flub up that she counts bad? Yeah. She was supposed to count normal. <laughs> One, two, three, six, three. <laughs> but she, um, yeah, she messed it up and they decided just to, They're like, to keep it. They're like, we wait, it's even more sad if we nuke a kid that can't count right. <laughs> she never had the chance to learn how to count She properly. has that inherent childhood innocence yeah. of a lack of mathematics skills. <laughs> So she's counting the flower petals, yeah. and she goes to 10 eventually. <laughs> I would say we should edit it maybe a little bit. Um, and then she looks up, and the camera pauses and pans into her eye. It zooms into her eye. And yeah. then you have the, the bomb. Yeah. And then you have uh, the poem. Not even really the poem, because he's really just paraphrased that one line huh. with the other stuff that he says. Was it a speech that they used or did they he recorded that specifically for the commercial in fact um schwartz who created the commercial was um uh, agoraphobic and he recorded (gasps) a lot of his political commercials from his home and and, um famous politicians would go to his home to record their lines amazing the original work from home boss (laughs) okay and then you have the it's it's like it basically is too deadly to stay home. To, yeah, you have to vote. You have home. to vote for Johnson, or you know, get nuked, dummy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but oh, I wow. just like it's so iconic. It's, it's iconic. So funny to me that letter that Schwartz wrote Fuck. to the New York Times, like how how dare, how dare you, you scare people with nuclear weapons and when we never even mentioned the name of the person we were targeting it could have been anyone <laughs> there's only hey hey there's only two people on the <laughs> on the ballot on there, the ballot man. there's two uh because america's bad uh their two-party system very bad there's two yeah so if it's not one it's probably the other 
Yeah. And then the so very good. the other very obvious thing is that, you know, oh God, God God forbid our children get nuked, but let's drop millions of cluster bombs on other countries. She, this little girl, she <laughs> she counted badly in English. Yeah. So she's fine. Yeah, so she must be We're sad. She must about be sad. Her. Al. Yeah. I just realized something. Uh-huh. <laughs> what is it? Well, I don't know if you're familiar with our format of our own oh, show. Oh, our show? But um, usually at the end, <laughs> the other person has to make the ad for 2022. Yeah. So what you've done uh-huh. is... I set a little trap. <laughs> I put a little trap down. Oh, no. Al... <laughs> don't wiggle. Hey, mister, don't wiggle your eyebrows at me. Don't wiggle them. Well, okay, so okay. you could... You, I could. You could update it for 2022, or yeah. I could read the sad homosexual No, poem. no, 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 no. We could have done this for Despicable May. I know. But I didn't mm, think mm. of it then. <laughs> we, we forgot about Despicable <laughs> May. Okay. It's 2022. Yeah, it sure is. We still still don't want to get nuked, dummy. The next election is 2024? Yeah. Okay. It's going to be bad. It's going to be a bad hey, one, folks. Oh, hey, it's going to be bad. Folks, it's not going to be good. It's going to be bad. Okay. I don't think we can... Hmm. I think we should bring... We should have a little girl. Okay. Okay. This is it. Okay. Okay. Just, I'm okay. nervous about the shine in your eyes. Okay. We have a little girl. Uh-huh. And she's counting bad. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. It's an attack ad. Okay. But you you reuse the footage that this the Johnson ad exact of her counting bad. Okay. There's no nuclear bomb. Okay. It's just going into her eye, and it's like, do you want your kids to count right? Well, vote for me. <laughs> I'll teach your kids how to count. Well, no, it'll be like reforming education. Oh, and like nice, The education nice, system nice. is, hey, folks, really dire right now, um, especially because you can't find teachers because we all fucking quit. Yeah. Uh, because the it's hard to teach when you keep getting sick and your parents yell and parents yell at you. Uh, so we just decide to, you know, not have that in our lives. So it's dire. So this is like sort of a fictional candidate. In, yeah. in America who's going to 2024 sort of like reverse a lot of the privatization of schools that's been happening down yeah. there no no fucking charter schools yeah no like fucking the, the uh, testification of creating a school for a standardized test yeah none of it it's we're gonna, gonna reinvest in public school yeah. and teach those kids how to freaking count yeah teach these kids how to count and read and this is it hey if you if you don't vote for this candidate no one's getting nuked no one's <laughs> No, the new, we're not, we cannot. It is literally just recutting it. It's like, hey, you want your kids to count or read real good? Vote for me. That's it. I think that's genius. I think that's really good. Yeah. I think that's very smart. I think smart. if people saw that on the DV, they'd, they'd be, be like, like what? Okay. <laughs> You're not going to nuke us? We're going to have easy. No, we're not talking about nukes. <laughs> now, would any presidential candidate in 2024 going forward talk about education as a big platform thing absolutely no <laughs> absolutely not they don't give a fuck they've they got, don't hey they don't neither side give a fuck they've got bigger fish to fry in oil from the companies that produce it and pay them to run 
so I'm just I'm I'm declaring that I'm running for president. <laughs> and you're gonna teach those kids to count. I'm gonna teach those kids to count real good <laughs> to ten. That's it. Nice. This is as far as it goes. This is far there as actually, as far as I know, there aren't any more numbers. No, no, no. So ten, ten, part one, <laughs> six, ten, part two, seven, <laughs> eight, seven. That's it. That's it. Okay. Whoa. Um, it's funny that you should talk about poetry. Oh, okay. Because my local ad is something of a poem. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm shocked that you didn't rag on me for talking about poetry. No, well. You jock. (laughs) Look, I'm back. I'm back in the saddle teaching and I have to teach poetry and I actually really like poetry. Yeah. This is a deep, dark secret of mine. It makes me feel things. Poems is good. Poems is good. Actually. Counting bad. (laughs) Can't do it. So this is po- this is poetry, but it's lyrical poetry. <laughs> okay. Okay, you ready? I'm so excited. This is um, it's a radio ad. Okay. But the jingle is so good. You know, mm. you know, I'm wet for a jingle. Okay. Well, you're gonna get wet. <laughs> okay. Don't get l- gird your loins for this. They ad. are girded. Okay. You can find it in our sources. They are go girded. That's the actually I thought that's the song that Rocky ran up those stairs to. <laughs> this is Rotolos. <laughs> and hey folks, pizza is my life. Pizza is my life. I love this. This is an 80s power ballad of a pizza song. It is absolutely an 80s power. <laughs> uh, and I do want to thank there is a podcast that I listen to that's called Endless Thread. Mm. It's a public radio in Boston. Oh cool. And they do the history of the internet. Oh, wow. And so this was like a journey of finding who recorded this ad. Oh, wow. And I heard the ad and I just think everyone needs to hear it. Everyone does. It's so good. The, that, the poetry had a, a tight meter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For some real good Italian flavor. Oh, boy. You have to go to Rotolo's. Pizza is my life. Pizza is my life. If pizza is your life. Yeah. Uh, and you also have a local ad, pizza or not pizza related, Yeah, you can send it to us at adcreeps at gmail.com. Yeah, you can also go on our Twitter, adcreeps. We love to hear from you. We, we love, love to hear, hear if you're enjoying the show. Yeah. We love, we probably don't really want to hear if you're not. No, I don't care about that. <laughs> uh, but if you're really enjoying the show, you can always go to Apple Podcasts and give write us <laughs> whatever a review, the fuck it's called now a little review yeah a re- review Roni. we would love that also if you really 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 liked our show it, hey al does a lot of research i do minimal amount of research <laughs> al does a lot of research you could pay them at our Kofi. Yeah, we have, do have a Kofi, and, and money that you uh donate to our Kofi does go to our our hosting fees yeah which, which is which is helpful. Good, helpful. We also have a dot gay. That's expensive. That's not cheap, folks. That's not cheap. <laughs> dot gay, they make you pay it out of your butt. Uh-huh. Yeah? Okay, is that it? That's it. Okay, until next time, we are signing, signing off. off.
first weren't my spouse. Sushi is my life. Gotta eat some snoosh. Snoosh.